Welcome to the Drunk Guys Book Club, where books aren't just for school, where book clubs aren't just for women, and we're going to drink so much beer we won't be able to see straight. <laughs> I'm Mike. I'm Nate. I'm Jimmy. And we're the Drunk Guys, and this week we are reading The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Jenkins Reid, and Nate is starting with a beer. Well, I am starting with Jalapeno Jack hot jalapeno ale because (laughs) by fat orange cat because the macguffin of the entire book is that evelyn hugo was hot very often she had a pair of macguffins (laughs) and this is supposed to be spicy tiggle macguffins (laughs) was the working title of the book oh nate doesn't like it it definitely tastes like jalapeno, <laughs> which, but it's the jalapeno part, not the spice part, although I have had this can for a while, so perhaps the capsaicin has um, diminished a bit. It's a, there's a little bit of spice. There, there's a little bit. I always find jalapeno has a kind of pickled flavor to it. Yeah, and that's mostly what I'm getting from this. It isn't the freshest can. Does, does it have a date? No, it says best before November 2023. That's... Oh, and it is best. before November 2023, so... No, okay. Uh, there you go. It's a little bit spicy. It's not as hot as Evelyn Hugo, though. And her fresh cans. <laughs> Are all of our beers in cans? I think I only, I only have cans. <laughs> I have cans. Oh. Well, I mean, it's, it's rare to get a bottle these days. It's true. Is this a poll winner? This is... Uh, no, it's a poll This is second place but, of um, the second place polls. <laughs> you're welcome. So, of course, we're recording it first... Before the first place <laughs> in the second place polls. This one was easy to read. It was. Yeah. So the book came out in 2017 and has been relentlessly recommended to me on Goodreads ever since. Have you noticed yeah. that you ever used the Goodreads yeah, app? Yeah, me too. Yes, definitely. And it's just like, you'll say like, oh, Jimmy rated a book. Nate started Did I a, read book. It a book. And then it'll just be like, you want to read Taylor, The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo? I'm like, do I? I don't know. And I've been seeing this cover for years now i feel like on good it's since this way podcast into started conscious so we're gonna we're gonna do it now after it was a, a nominee for a goodreads award six years ago so the book has a frame sort of that doesn't matter much it's actually it only matters a little bit and you forget about it most of the time and that the the narrator of the non-evelyn hugo sections <laughs> is a 30-something-year-old mixed-race journalist who writes for, like, BuzzFeed. And uh, her name is Monique Grant. It might be like a, sudden, like a Vanity Fair sort of thing. Yeah, because she, she made it big by writing a piece about assisted suicide or something like that, or, like, right-to-die laws. Yeah. Which is, which is foreshadowing. And she gets her, her editor is like, listen, we have this, we have a scoop she a news story is breaking, and she goes, "Okay, what's the, what does this have to do with me?" And she's like, "Well, Evelyn Hugo, you know her, right?" She's like, "Oh, that old famous lady that everyone knows and is famous, we, and she did movies and shit." She's like, "Yes, she has an important announcement, and she'll only be interviewed by you." And we were like, really didn't like that idea. We really wanted to send someone else, but she insisted on it being you. So don't fuck it up. Well, and it also the asks. Because this, this will be foreshadowing, or it will be a, it'll be important later. So, are, do you have any connection to Evelyn Hugo? Why did she request you? You're not famous. And she goes, well, my dad was a, was a photographer 
he died when I was very little, but he was a photographer out in Hollywood. And so, but I don't, and I'll ask mom, texts mom, hey, did dad know anyone famous like Evelyn Hugo? And she responds, no, he never knew anyone famous. And so I was like, okay, I guess you're not like cheating somehow. All right, go ahead, do the thing. Go meet with Evelyn Hugo and do her article. And the most famous thing about Evelyn Hugo, besides her being, you know, a glamorous kind of golden age of Hollywood star, who's now 79, is that she is married seven times. So it's clearly modeled on Elizabeth Taylor, who was actually married eight times. But to seven guys. But to <laughs> seven men, yeah. She married one dude twice, and I forget which one, but... It was Richard Burton. I was, oh, I was going to say that. Tim Burton's dad. Not true. I don't have any idea. <laughs> <laughs> sure. So then Monique goes to, you know, conveniently, it's only on the Upper East Side of Manhattan where Evelyn Hugo lives. So she's able to take, you know, fucking four train there or something. Uh, or, or that new stupid line they spent $8 billion to put in. She the Q the, extension. The Q, that is also foreshadowing. Uh, <laughs> And she goes there and she sees Evelyn Hugo's amazing rich person apartment. And Evelyn Hugo is, you know, nice enough, but kind of stern, like doesn't tolerate any bullshit. And she's like, here's the deal. This is a fucking charade. And no one gives a shit about it. I have nothing important to announce to your dumb magazine. I want you to write my autobiography and you could publish it when I'm dead. She's like, well, that's a fucking weird setup. She's like, this is a novel. I could do that. She's like, okay. Um... What's the deal? He's like, well, you figure it out. You figure out with your boss how you tell them that you're not giving them a story. And uh, this is like the big thing that's going to make your whole fucking career. You're going to be a millionaire for writing my uh, memoir for me. So, uh, deal? And Monique hems and haws for about seven seconds. And it's like, of course, it's a fucking deal. I have student loans. I don't know who talked me to go to the new school, but I haven't paid that shit off yet. And I've been doing, I've been writing for HuffPo. Uh, yes, I will do this. And she's also freshly divorced. Yeah, all right. Forget that detail. No, freshly separated, soon to be divorced. Freshly separated. Yes. And I need to start drinking these beers. But the first question, one of the first questions that Monique asks is like, "Hey, you were married like seventeen times. Which one was your favorite? <laughs> Who was your true love?" And she's like, "You better, you know, um, you better listen, kid. And you're going to find out very soon that her true love." was not any of the husbands. It was another guy. It was another lady. And you could say together they were sort of queens. <laughs> That's what I was going to pick. Well, sort of queens is an I we've had this before. Uh double IPA from Finback that is 9% alcohol and is it is dry hop with mosaic and El Dorado, which sounds vaguely vaguely Spanish like like Evelyn Hugo was. Just and then Spanish she starts enough. telling her story. And then you forget about Monique for the rest of the fucking book cuz it doesn't matter. God damn, is this beer good? Until she matters again, right at the end. Yeah, it's all, it's it's a frame. I'm hoping this could dislodge whatever like piece of like green lettuce bullshit I ate is stuck in the back of my throat. How do you know it's green? Well, I didn't eat fucking Martian lettuce. Like <laughs> 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 dumb rabbit food. Game. This is so good. So Evelyn starts with her story when she grew up in Hell's Kitchen, cooking empanadas for the devil. <laughs> Which. Was a rough neighborhood. It no longer is. Does but it is gay now. Rough neighborhoods anymore. <laughs> it was a rough. It's a rough rider neighborhood now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's more accurate. Yeah. 
mean, where where is a shitty part of Manhattan? I feel like you cannot, you can't even be a poor and like the homeless people aren't poor in Manhattan. Like there's <laughs> the ridiculous. homeless people are middle class. <laughs> yeah, maybe like, like the northernmost <laughs> point, or I don't know. I I can't think of a real place that's poor, like poor poor up there. There's still like projects and shit, but there's no like rough neighborhoods so much anymore. Uh, just the subway. <laughs> just the subway. <laughs> Very the rough, rough project. The rough neighborhood of Manhattan. But if you're into getting peed on, then it's the best place. Is that Little little Germany? Is that what that uh, neighborhood is <laughs> that's, that's pooping. Little Berlin. <laughs> Where can I ride the pee-pee train? <laughs> so, uh... So she gets, uh... Anyway, so she starts telling her story, and, though you know, Monique asks, what's your first love? What was your... What was your greatest love? And she doesn't answer. It's like, okay, now here, here's what's going to happen. Even the, but then it's just Evelyn Hugo telling the story. It literally switches to like first person perspective, but it's Evelyn Hugo. It's this, as if she's telling her story to Monique, even though Monique isn't going to just write it down verbatim. She's going to write a biography. So that kind of didn't make sense. But whatever, it's fine. So you hear about her life. She's a kid. She's uh, when she's a kid, she uh, her father's like very abusive, and she just wants to get out of there. And it just so happens and her to mom help dies. That, yeah, it, it, her mom dies. Uh, and when she turns like fourteen, yeah, she gets super hot in like one beer. specific way. And this Two is the best, ways. the biggest Michael. foreshadowing Two. of the book. She gets big jahoobies. That definitely might not kill her later in the book. <laughs> <laughs> well, technically they don't. They threaten to. <laughs> she gets an amazing rack. And it's like mo- mentioned many times. Like she just got the tig old biddies. And that's all it took to be famous in those days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they mention, I think it's a little bit earlier than this when Monique is like, who is this Evelyn Hugo that I have to interview? I'm going to go Netflix some of her films. Mentioned seeing this picture of her where it's they're at some sort of party and she's looking ahead and there's two dudes just straight staring at her boobs. One guy per tit, probably. And this picture is clearly, you know, what she's inventing is modeled on a, you know, we were talking before you start recording, who, who is this inspired by? It is modeled on this picture of Jane Mansfield and Sophia Loren, which is a very famous Kind of memed picture, and James Manfield was a busty starlet of the time. Have you? Do you know what picture I'm talking about? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Have you? You've been alone with it then. <laughs> <laughs> I think everyone knows the picture. They just might not know who is in it. Where like Sophia Loren, who is an unbelievably beautiful woman, is is side eyeing Jane Mansfield's tits. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> She's mean mugging them. Is it? Is it not? I mean, it's just like a perfectly captured moment, like back when, like you know. You took a picture, and then you had to, like, reel something to take another picture. <laughs> and you could just, you know, James Mansfield's, it's clearly an impromptu picture. Are you Googling it, Nate? Uh, yeah, just Get the lotion. I've seen that before, yeah. You didn't notice they had faces the first time, but they do. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. I'm looking at it right now. It's a hysterical picture. <laughs> but that's, like, one of the inspirations. Like, the really, really hot lady. And Evelyn Hugo, though, is... Actually born Evelyn Herrera, right? Herrera. So she's going to, you know, that does that matter much in the book? No, not really, honestly. But 
She's going to also end up blonde like Jane Mansfield. Well, it matters in that her name is too ethnic. So they says, you can't be out there being Evelyn Herrera. No one's going to go see that movie. So we got to change your name. And she's like, what about Hugo? And he's like, yeah, that's good. Sounds kind of French. And that's, that's about all that it matters. Yeah, it's never like, I mean, there's like the one other exchange with the cleaning woman. When she's like, oh, Miss, he- Miss Evelyn, I, I get the Windex. And she's like, okay. And she's like, oh. And then it's, <laughs> that happens. That's one, that's one scene. <laughs> that was pretty much it, yeah. All right, so then Nate, so, what um, So Evelyn, she's hot, and she marries, she literally marries just to get out of Hell's Kitchen, and she wants to go to Hollywood, and it works. So her first husband is Ernie Diaz, and... She gets married when she's 15. She trades her virginity to go to Hollywood, and Ernie Di- Diaz is like, worth it. Because um, <laughs> <laughs> they're married for like a year or two as she tries to find her way into Hollywood tits first and he's he's banging her and he's like i'm fucking schlub electrician or something he had some sort of job like that yeah something like that and then she eventually leaves him and he was like dude i won i won well she leaves him because she gets that's being discovered waitressing because she goes to get a job like waitressing where like all the agents and like movie people hang out and they're like Look at the boobs on that. You want to be in the movies? And she's like, yeah, that's why I'm here. And so they're like, all right, you're in the movies now. Because that's what it took. Yeah, she goes to, um, uh, well, she meets, I forget exactly how, she, she meets Harry Cameron. She, bring, she brings someone their meatloaf, and he looks up and sees her boob and is like, you should be in the movies. And that is, and then that guy brings her to the producers, and one of them is The Harry producer Cameron. with the most ridiculous name in literature. So this is like 1950s Hollywood and the stereotype is like the fat like of the, the executives, the fat ugly gross like very Jewish guy. You know like hey, it's Mel Rosenblatt. I run MGM. <laughs> you know like he's got a cigar and he's like come here toots. Like that's like the image. But this guy, do you remember what his name was? <laughs> the big coffee shot. Is Ari was you like oh yeah, Jewy. Yeah. Sullivan. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> what? My father was a Mick. I don't know what to tell you. Like, what? The, how did that happen? <laughs> was he Ari Sullivan? <laughs> they made me change my name too. <laughs> what is that? Got to stand out somehow. Likely. This is so random. Yeah. So there are not a lot of Ari Sullivans out there. But Ari Sullivan, I mean, maybe it's like um, it's like a Liverpool accent, like Ari Sullivan. Like it's like you know, you can't say the H <laughs> at all. But. She, Ari Sullivan's thing is eating out young girls, and everyone's like, "We should talk about that." But then he he he, he munches her out, and then he's like, "I'll put you in a movie." <laughs> That's what happens. She's like, "This is probably the best form of being Harvey Weinstein you could ask for, frankly." And then she leaves Ernie Diaz, and he's like, "If that's being used, use me any time you want, because I motor yachted those titties and." She's like, all right, see you later. And then he dies like a happy man, you know, getting to tell people that he, he's still, decades later, like, I, I was married to Evelyn Hugo. Seriously, smell this finger. And like, Ernie, you haven't washed it? And he's like, oh, would you? <laughs> that part might not have been the book, but it should have been. If Taylor Jenkins Reid knew anything about men, <laughs> it would have been in the book. So, and that's already one husband down. Boom. So she becomes, she gets into a couple of movies. She's not a huge star, but she's obviously very attractive. And so she uh, catches the eye of a 
really big star named Don Adler and then marries him when she is only 18, right? 18, 19, which just like Elizabeth Taylor married her first husband, the Hilton guy, when she was 18 and he was a, a abusive alcoholic, just like Don Adler ended up being. And every so, man... <laughs> Nineteen fifty. Yeah. <laughs> it's more. It's more amazing when they're not. Yeah, alcoholics. <laughs> he was a drunk, but he didn't beat me. Wow, what a saint! He's the Gandhi of his time. <laughs> he was the Gandhi of a time when there was still a Gandhi. <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyway, uh, and then they get married, and uh, at first she's like, "I loved him," but then. After, what is it, two weeks is when he hits her the first time. And then he's immediately like, oh, I'm so sorry. Take me back. And, of course, she does. And then he does it again. And then she seems just kind of stuck. But she does manage to uh, have her first big breakout uh, movie role in Little Women. Um, I forget which. No, Little Women comes way later. It's during her marriage to Don Adler that she, that's her, that's when she yeah. goes from being just like, you know, the hot, she has Marilyn a few big movies where she's like the hot lady. Yeah. And that's one where they prove like the whole plan that Harry comes up with is like, you know, we're going to do all these movies, do a bunch of like romantic comedies, all this shit over and over again. You're going to be big. And then once you're big as shit, as big we're as gonna your tits. Do little women and you can like prove all these haters that you can act and you're not just boobs or both really. But can I say this is this is one of the parts of the book that I thought was really dumb. When she's in Hell's Kitchen, she wasn't like she was like I had a drama teacher and I loved the stage. She had no interest in acting. She never mentioned one. She just didn't want to be there. She, I mean, she, to mention when she was young, she would talk to her mom. Her mom wanted to be in the movies to get out of Hell's Kitchen. She's kind of like followed off that. But you don't like. There's not like an inheritable gene for being an actress. No, I think at this time it was a very common thing. Like, I'm going to go west and be to Hollywood and be in the movies. You know? But then she's like, like a, but she very quickly goes from, I want to be in the movies and be rich and not poor, which is, you know, I, I, I understand that, to, I need to be respected as an artist. Like, they need to know, it was like, please, lady, like, most people who sell out, it, like, they're like, yeah, I sucked that guy's dick so I could be rich. Like, most people. <laughs> own that they don't turn around and be like now respect me now now i want to be in the sophie's choice reboot (laughs) they don't get to turn around and do that shit i just finally it just very she very quickly changed her her like mo from i just anywhere but here to now i want to be in like a tour or whatever that fucking pretentious word is so while she's on uh while she's in or filming little women which uh, is going to be her, like, you know, serious, dramatic acting debut. One of her co-stars is a uh, a, a woman, uh, one of the other girls. Uh, she has an old, actually, tiny porn name. Who, <laughs> who actually has, t- <laughs> but actually has talent at acting, named Celia St. James. And at first they, they kind of become friends, but... Well, because also, well, Celia's is trying jealous. to use... Because at this point, Evelyn's really, really famous. And and I don't know how true this all was then either, but like the whole like paparazzi kind of thing that's happening of, 
hey, let's go get seen together having an ice cream sundae or a fucking a malted, frosted malted. And then they'll write about us in the, in the tabloids. And that's a big part of the book of these little random passages that you just imagine a guy wearing like a fucking fedora or a Panama hat or something going like... With one of those paper squares. Yeah, and, he, and he's, like, he's like sharpening a pencil like on his cigarette and his mouth. <laughs> like he's like, man, see <laughs> these names were here. And oh, look at that. Look at the... And they're, they're writing these like lame double entendre things <laughs> about... Looks like, uh, looks like the filming is not the only thing that's going to go tits up, huh? And then they... What? Okay. <laughs> and so they, they, Celia St. James is trying to get Evelyn Hugo to help her kind of launch her her status into the, you know, from because she was like a not a big deal before. Although at one of these like lunch outings, Celia does say, when I saw you in your first movie, I thought you were the most beautiful woman I'd ever seen. And Evelyn is like, oh, stop. Mm-hmm. And but then that's it. That's all. That's all. You, that's all you hear. But then the premiere of Little Women Yes, the premiere of Little Women at the like movie premiere, which is you know like a year later after all the filming and stuff like that, and there's a big party. And at the party, you know, they go they go to the premiere, you know, the movie premiere, and then the party afterward. And at and and at the party, Celia tells Evel like they like drags her into a closet. I don't know if that's symbolism, but uh, <laughs> drags her into a closet. Says, "Do you oh, know where your husband is? is? He's getting a blowjob upstairs." <laughs> well, it wasn't that wasn't Celia was telling her that that was. The other sh- actress, Ruby. One of the other sisters on Little Women. Oh, Ruby's oh, like, right. your husband's getting blowies. And also, that chick you're hanging out with, Celia, she's a big lesbian. Oh, that's right. And at the time, this was like a... Apparently very a, Actually a crime. <laughs> People hadn't yet discovered that men will masturbate to it. They were like, ew. We don't have a... Subarus? Like, it was so, really... Then Evelyn drags Celia into a closet and says, is this true? Are you a lesbian? Haven't and you Celia seen my says, house, yes. Evelyn? No carpet anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and then they kiss. And then immediately because... And then so Evelyn is like, well, I don't want to be married to Don anymore because he's an asshole and beats me. So and he, he like manages to like, you know, surprise Don and be like, you are cheating on me. And then he immediately divorces her and Evan was like, great, worked but out. he has clout. That's good because he says, you know, we're going to get divorced and I'm going to give you all the money and the house, or most of the money and the house, and you're not allowed to tell anybody about what it was like being married to us. And she's like, married to me. And she's like, fine, whatever. I got a, I got a new thing now anyway. Turns out I'm really into peaches and cream. <laughs> This is peaches and cream, a nitro fruit tart. Oh, I have to put this in a glass. Goddamn, hold on. Five minutes later. This is a a nitro fruit tart, and it says on the thing that I have to pour it vigorously into a glass. I'm allowed to just drink it. Um, I originally thought this was called, because it says on the can, other other side, reward the curious, and I thought it was like a bi-curious thing. But now I see peaches and cream is the is the actual name of it. But that also still works. So let's see. Celia St. James is from Georgia. Oh, shit. There you go. This works like 11 ways. Um, as long as it works uh, both of them, then Evelyn's happy. <laughs> it looks like a regular beer, though. It does look exactly like a regular beer, except it's like pretty hazy. But yeah, 
Uh, it's it's a fucking fruit tart beer. It's pretty good, actually. It is a. I don't know if it means like fruit tart, like it's a fruit tart beer, or if it's like a fruit beer that is tart. But it is a little tart. I just know when you say nitro Much fruit like tart, it sounds like a dude from 1994 insulting a gay guy. Yeah, nitro that was fruit also tart. On, on my mind. <laughs> That's really not cool. <laughs> the nitro part is a little weird, but maybe if he was a wrestler. Uh, or if he loved Mountain Dew. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what else is cool? Supporting the arts. Yeah. Have, have we made any progress do. on our patron of the shards? <laughs> One of which uh, merch? is us. <laughs> I have not. I was laughing at that a lot as I saw someone on the train the with like a fucking New Yorker bag. <laughs> patron of the shards. Um, if you want to support the <laughs> podcast, you can head over to patreon.com slash drunk guys book club. Uh, and you could, uh, you know, give us money, which is cool. And in exchange, you get all sorts of stuff like early access to episodes, voting on monthly book poll, get exclusive content, get stuff mailed to you, join us for our live episodes. If you if you live in New York, we'll drink with you. <laughs> we will. <laughs> we will. We'll be drinking there. Like, you could just find us, probably just, like, pick a corner. Eventually, we'll be down that one. You'll know which yeah, one. Yeah, the one that they're like, get the f- enough of your podcast. And they're like, that's a fucking d- 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 arts. And then they're like, sir, this is, it's noon. Um, <laughs> I read it a book for this. It's fucking Nazis. <laughs> sir, this is, this, is, this is the Holocaust Museum. I like, ah, shit. So uh, if you want to support the podcast, head over there. Or you can help the podcast out by leaving a review. We've been getting a lot more lately. It's hard to tell on, net, on uh, Spotify if they're good or bad because the average doesn't change with every new review. <laughs> every once in a while we get a new one, though. Like, oh, no, it went down. Uh, or it went up. You never know. We did get a nice one on uh, on, on uh, iTunes or Apple, whatever it's called now. Or somewhere, Ha-ha, they're funny. I like the Ichabod. I was like, that's from two years ago. Okay. He <laughs> um, said, I like the Ichabod guy. Ichabod guy. I was like, they are funny. I like the Ichabod episode. <laughs> oh. I will take it. Isn't that from, like, is that from more than two years in 2021 ago? it came out. I think we read it earlier. Okay. But yeah, leave a review or just go tell someone to check out the podcast. Believe it or not, there are some people who haven't heard about it yet. Eventually, they all will. You could be that one. You can, be, you can tell the last person. Back to the book. Okay, so now Celia and Evelyn are, you know, just sort of pretending, <laughs> pretending to be just friends, but actually they're, they're lovers, but they, you know have to sneak around because it's Hollywood and it's, you know, the 1950s. And, I mean, they know they have to be secret and what is it? I forget which one, but one buys a crappy car to just drive over to the other's apartment just so the paparazzi don't see, like, you know, Evelyn's fancy flashy car in Celia's driveway all night, you know. Uh, No, but they're not together right away. There was something about, oh, I spilt a bottle of wine. You better take that off. You know, one of those things. That was before they kissed. That was was before. before. And then uh, Evelyn's like, oh, my God, I like boobies. Like when she sees uh, Celia St. James kind of naked. they 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 get together decently quick after the party, if not immediately after the party. But they, uh, they start doing their things and... Uh, and this is like one of the scenes where then it cuts back to Monique and she's like, so you're gay? And Evelyn's like, I'm bisexual. Get it straight. I'm like, I'm straight? It's confusing. Um, but literally she <laughs> says, I'm bisexual. You don't ignore half of me so you could fit me into a box, Monique. And she's like, but I thought you wanted to be in a box. 
literally a line in the book is, don't ignore half of me so you could fit me into a box. <laughs> I could get a larger box. So I guess you were on, you were the, you, you were the catcher? I don't understand how it works. <laughs> and then uh, that's, a, that's a thing that happens. <laughs> Meanwhile, any time Evelyn Hugo actually talks to Monique, the, the, the journalist, it is revealed that Monique's a fucking idiot. Like, she's terrible at this. Like, she asks dumb questions and offends Evelyn Hugo. <laughs> she just never asked her good stuff. Early on, there's a line when she's, like, trying to understand um, about the logistics of the book. And she's like, well, tell me more about the book we're writing. And Evelyn Hugo's like, I told you everything you need to know. She says, well, you told me I'm writing it and that you're dying. And then Evelyn Hugo's like, you need to pay better attention to word choice. It's like, this is about five seconds after Evelyn Hugo was like, I've read everything you wrote and I love it. <laughs> it's like, so isn't her <laughs> word choice pretty good then? Like, I don't, the, the frame, the she's frame. Better, was, she's better with the written word than the spoken. Oh, uh, yeah, yes. But then uh, they start doing their thing. And uh, what's the line they keep saying that's annoying to me? True blue. Oh, yeah. And the balls. I'm looking at my notes that I, things I highlighted. And I'm just trying to understand what this one means. I highlighted when somebody character said, I'm not sure that's a secret. I want you to have I want you to have to keep love. It's a sticky one. And then I wrote the note, come. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, come. <laughs> I didn't figure out what that was. <laughs> this is the real, you know, deep introspection that you get for joining Patreon. Uh, oh, is that where this clip is ending up? <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's just for everyone. If you know, if you, you're supporting just more of that, the arts, supporting the arts, this is the art. Is uh, writing cum as a note? <laughs> I mean, you're talking about a <laughs> sticky secret about the gay guy. Speaking of, she then well, she, at this point, her career is being uh, it's in trouble because oh, right. she just got divorced because Don Adler. Don has blackballed Which he's her, a snake in saying, the grass, which isn't an Adler a snake? Or Adder is a snake, right? An Adder is a snake. Adler is a Jewish snake. <laughs> it's a snake that doesn't have a hood. It's, been <laughs> it's a circumcised snake, yes. But it has hood um, spot. It's not a cobra. Um, so he has, you know, used his power as, you know, the, the big man of Hollywood to, like, get them to stop casting her and shit. So she just does a bunch of trash movies. But eventually she gets a big break and she's going to go to France to work with this big French director who's going to make her big again. As big as And she gets. does this by almost showing her boobs. That was her idea, because he was like, I want to show the boobies. And she's like, no, how about just almost the boobies? Like, as long as I get to see all of them myself, that's fine. Yeah, that was pretty much it. And that was one of the things early on about the iconic shots of her. It's like her coming out of a body of water. And just when the nipples are about to break the surface, they cut to something else. And uh, no matter how many times you pause it, you never get to see them. But you could still finish it if you need to. And um, that's a thing that is mentioned in the book. But his his name was Max Girard Depardieu, and he is. Is this was it, was it Girard? It must be. It must yeah. be fucking Girard Depardieu, isn't it? Jesus, Max Girard. <laughs> Some of these references are not subtle at all. I didn't realize that at all. <laughs> it's like I want to show you my big nose. <laughs> So doing this film, which he almost is naked in, very close to it, but it's a French film, so it's artsy, uh, revives her career. That's what I tell my wife all the time. No, it's not porn, honey. It's art. 
She, she's a starving Czech girl, and he's a French guy. French Canadian. Totally <laughs> it's European. It's imported. <laughs> <laughs> it's fancy. It's an independent film. This is this is the uh, you know the Jarlsberg of smut. <laughs> this is high end. So, but she has to still because she's with Celia, but in secret, she has to continually make sure the press doesn't think that they're actually lesbian. So she tells Celia she has this plan where she's going to seduce a guy, in, uh, a spe- specifically a guy named Mick Riva, who is Who's a Elvis? singer. And, he, and she's like, this is how you seduce somebody. And it's really like step-by-step guy. And you do this, then you do that. But her plan is to seduce him, get, get him to bring them to Vegas, literally all in one night, go to Vegas, get married, and then in the morning, get it annulled. But at least it will generate all these headlines and be like, oh, well, she is actually with guys, so no one will suspect a thing. And it's the hol- and she does all of this because they are at a McReva show and someone sees her hold Celia's hand and look aghast. And she's like, well, better marry this guy to cover up this hand-holding shit. Yeah, it, it was a bit, a bit extreme. It's also. I mean, it's not impossible. Like it's yeah. back then, you know. Oh, she's hanging out with ladies a lot. You know, that's all you needed was the rumor of it to sink your career. Right. Well, yeah, I have thoughts on this, but yeah, it's it's. I get it. Uh, I wasn't there for this time, so you know, I'm sure that Nate. What was it like <laughs> <laughs> when the young people were lesbians? <laughs> I do know this. Um, my mom, who is in her you know mid later sixties, one of her friend's parents were two gay people who got married to appear straight and to appear normal. So they got married in the fifties. Double beards, double beards, yeah. And and my mom was like, it was you know it kind of made sense once she realized it, like once we understood it in the seventies, like when we were like you know in high school or whatever, that. Her dad was always just, you know, he had like, he's a very feminine man and sensitive, whatever, but the mom was a butcher. (laughs) (laughs) Like an actual, like a literal butcher. She worked as a butcher and she hung (laughs) out with the nuns. (laughs) (laughs) This is a real person. She took butch to an extreme. Yeah. Thing is, I'm I'm on the prowl for a specific type of meat. Um, Butcher, I barely know her. uh, Here's your beef curtains. Excuse me? Roast beef, sorry. So, I mean, that was a thing of people in, obviously, history oh, of, yeah. of marrying to uh, keep up appearances. It's still a thing among uh, very religious communities. It's, it's, a lot, it's a lot of uh, Mormon stuff happen. That shit happens. The hottest sin. <laughs> <laughs> Heavenly Father is displeased. Heavenly Father. Heavenly Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, this plan she, works. But, but here's the thing about her plan. It's ridiculously complicated. All she needed to say was, like, hey, McReva, I'm really into you, but I won't have sex with you unless we're married. Do you want to go to Las Vegas and get married and bone all night? And he'd be like, yeah, I will. That's fine. Instead, she had to, like, you say a thing, but with your eyes you say this, and you lean this way, and you just like, hey, your dick will get touched, but you have to do this first. And men will be like, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. What's, what's the thing? Yeah, I'm on it. Yep, it's happening. I'll do it twice. I do it twice. Will you do it? Will you do it at least? Will you do it twice? Like, there's no need to complicate this. As if she 
had figured out this like vixen secret. Men like boobs. Oh. <laughs> like she's Yoda or something. But I see how this book was not written for me. <laughs> so this <laughs> might have been an entertaining passage to other people, perhaps. Like, lady. To its, in- its intended audience. Apparently intended audience wasn't us. Which will be made very apparent by beer choices in a minute. We go on. So I have, uh, I have found out that Taylor Jenkins Reid has a character that has recurred multiple times in her books. And the character is Mick Riva, who is apparently the name of one of the bandmates, very, who's not in, in Taylor, uh, Daisy Jones and the Six. I forget which one. Sounds like a bass player. No one ever knows the bass player's name. Sorry, Jimmy. Was he was he like in the band or was he like a side part? Like I think he was only like, in it a tiny bit. He wasn't in the band. It was none of the band guys because none of them went on to have big solo careers. See, the guy that died in Nam. No, no, because he he died before they got big. And this was the fifties. Oh, but Taylor Jenkins Reid just likes the name. That's all. It was maybe not the same guy. She just keeps using the same name. Just Forrest Gumping through the background of her books. That's weird. She got magic lips. Who was but. Don't know. Yes, yes, okay. Forrest. That's why I'm going to pretend to marry that man for them. So then she marries him, and they get annulled. And then uh, I just felt when like she gets coming. back, she's like, "Hey, it all the whole plan worked." And Celia's like, "Wait, did you did you bang that dude?" And he, she's like, "Yeah, of course I banged him. That was the whole plan." And she's like, "Damn it, woman, you cheated on me. I'm out." And everyone's like, "What the fuck?" Like, yes, yeah. I did. I did the fuck once. It's like, oh, yeah, stop talking like you're from Eastern Europe. And this is, this, so this conflict is going to recur again, where Evelyn does something, fucks a guy, basically, to, in order to basically either further her career or cover up the fact that they're together. And, and Celia is like, I can't, I can't take it. I can't, I can't stand that. And then they break up. And, then, and sure, I, I, I felt like, doesn't Celia understand? I don't know. It's literally a crime. I, I thought the plan was really clear, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought it was like, like oh, I thought you realized this is why I was going to do this. That's why I got it annulled the next day. And now we're in the clear for a while. I was like, oh, yeah, the plan totally makes sense. But um, Celia was like, just, I just thought hand stuff. I was like, well, you're a fucking idiot. Like, <laughs> Come on. You got married. So then they break up for years. They don't talk to each other for years. Uh, five years, apparently. And in that time, Evelyn marries next guy. Oh, yeah. So Rex North. And now she's in another movie about another classic book. This time, Anna Karenina, as if that was ever going to be a hit. That's the least believable part yeah. of this whole novel. <laughs> that movie based on Anna Karenina is going to be a big hit. I mean, come on. They is made it, a movie of that like, within the last 10 years, and it was like, Fine, but like no one was like is rushing it, to see Anna Karenina. I mean, is the movie nineteen hours long? Yes, but this is in the age of like Hollywood studio power, where they're like, we're gonna throw all of our weight behind this movie, and most of the time that ensured dramatic dramatic success. Like the flops are the most are the famous exceptions, like Cleopatra or whatever, where they went overboard on budget in the movie. Like, eh, people didn't care. I was just saying this might be like Elizabeth Taylor in Cleopatra, which was, uh, you know, based on a classic kind of thing, though not the same thing as Tolstoy, but... It was based on Walk Like an Egyptian by the Bengals, right? Yes. Yep. That's the it one. was actually the mm-hmm. memoirs of Miss Cleo, 
Call me now, Jamaican woman. One day they're gonna do that. <laughs> so, but so during so uh, during the filming of Anna Karenina, she decides to marry uh, the, her co-star Rex. Uh, his name is Rex North, and it's literally and they make it very. And she's very clear, like, oh, we were we are never gonna fuck, and you can go and fuck your women as much as you want. But we're going to marry just so we can get the publicity for the movie and make this movie a big hit so that I can win my damn Oscar. And he's from Iceland. So in a vaguely undetectable accent, he says, yes, I will do that. Um, And then they agree because she's like, listen, I can't have people thinking I'm some kind of just dumb fruit. (laughs) Good luck, Nate, editing this. This beer is called (laughs) Dumb Fruit. And it's from uh, Evil Twin Brewing New York City and is a 6.6% alcohol sour ale with black currant, pineapple, mango, and cocoa dusted almonds. Wow, it looks cocoa red. Cocoa dusted almonds? It's like purple. Good lord. Oh, no, oh fucking shit. Oh, God. Like mung. <laughs> the second sip, the second sip didn't help. That's, oh. That's not good. I was talking to somebody yesterday. She was from Chicago. She told me when she was young, she's like me and Mike's age. Nate, she's about 100 years younger than me. Uh, <laughs> when she was young, there was one McDonald's in like South, South Chicago, South Side. And it got robbed every and day. If you go there, you can ask them, there's a drink. There's like the drink they just call purple drink. No. And she's like, I, I'm a little kid. I want to try the purple drink. And she, so she ordered the purple drink, and it's just fucking lean. They were selling coating cough syrup out of the McDonald's. Fantastic. And everyone went there to buy fucking scissor. It's like, oh, yeah, purple. You just called it purple drink, and it was cough syrup. <laughs> I'm not going to get us fucked up off this beer, is that? Probably not, no. Hopefully not. But I, w- I mean, I'm not against it. This is really tart. You really can't think straight after that. <laughs> I am curious Dance, about it, though. <laughs> Bye, curious. I've only rented it. That's really tart. Good lord. Oh, is it dumb? What? Is it dumb fruit. Dumb fruit six. Oh, six. Dumb fruit number wow. six. God damn, that is a lot. So then she has several years of faux marital marital bliss with Rex North, where they do not fuck. But eventually, Rex, does, is, oh, yeah, Rex says, it, yeah. you know what? I actually have met a girl I want to marry. So and she's we need pregnant. To get to, yeah, and she's <laughs> already pregnant. So we should probably marry. And Evelyn is like, oh, yeah, okay, that's fine. I know what to do. We've got we've to make it, make it look like instead of you cheating on me, it'll look like I've been cheating on you. And because, you know. We're cheating on each other. Yeah, on each other. And but, so she, no, Evelyn, she's gonna, but she's going to do a solid to Harry Cameron, who has been her friend this whole time, who is also gay and didn't matter yet, but will matter now. He's like a producer. Yeah. He, so he's been a producer for a number of her movies and is one of the people that found her, you know, way back in the mid 50s and her best friend, but is clearly gay. Uh, there's, a, there's a more offensive term for what you used to call her, but let's call her as homosexual witch. <laughs> If you 
use synonyms. <laughs> <laughs> that was that's usually someone who hangs around only gay dudes or hangs out in a group of gay dudes. She's just like uh, his they get there in this book. Life partner. <laughs> Heterosexual life partner. They're un- unconsummated uh marriage. <laughs> yes. You also have until later. you also have found out that even though Celia and Evelyn haven't even spoken, that Celia has gone and married an NFL quarterback. Dick Jim. Butkus. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't believe there's actually a man named Dick Butkus. How did that how did that happen in America at any point and then in it I guess you know, if your name is Dick Butkus, you have to be a big enough dude to beat the fuck out of anyone who calls you I mean, Dick, but- Dick Butkus way, was a big your dude. own name. But like he's still alive. Holy shit. Yeah, he's still alive. Six three, two fifty, that's a big boy. This is also he was a football player in the days before. Helmets. <laughs> steroids. Before steroid use was, uh, we pretended that it doesn't happen. I mean, steroids don't make you taller, though. He's still a big feller. They do if you put them into your bones. <laughs> he's like a boy named Sue. His dad needed a dick yeah. butt kiss. And he's like, I must kill everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking dick butt kiss. Did you guys ever see that? Uh, it's like a Twitter thing. It was like a, pic- uh, the Twitter, it's a Twitter, Twitter joke. It was like a picture of... Kurt Russell and his stunt double during Escape from New York, and Kurt Douglas's Kurt Kurt Russell's stunt double. His name is Dick Warlock. Oh yeah, I have seen this name. <laughs> it's like oh, holy shit. <laughs> well, do you know um, you know Jay Giles Band? Yeah, the harmonica player is credited as Magic Dick. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, now we know. How he played the harmonica. Yeah, he's it was <laughs> even less subtle than Magic Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> Man, can he blow that magic dick? <laughs> oh, you have to see a picture of what magic dick looks like. Michael, you send me that picture all the time and I ask you, please stop. No, no. That's that's majestic dick. That's a different thing. <laughs> let me share a picture of magic dick and then let me purge my internet history. You have to s- <laughs> enable screen sharing. You can't search for that easily. <laughs> He's no centerfold, let me tell you that. He does fold it down the center. Are though. you not going to let me share my screen? God damn you. Oh, I thought you were just going to send a link. I could do that too. But then it'll be in my search history. <laughs> <laughs> no, just this one picture. So Magic Dick, he, wow. he just looks like a twerpy accountant who just got into blow. Like He's got a massive fro, though. Yeah, Frodo. <laughs> I mean, all these it was Jay the seventies. Jay Giles has He's the official songs. Whammer Jammer. He's got his own website, MagicDick.com. I'm glad he locked that down. <laughs> Do you see what his real name is? Is Richard Solwitz? <laughs> yeah, that's not surprising. <laughs> that fro. He looks more like a Richard Solwitz than a Magic Dick. Yeah, the seventies was a wild time. I like on his Wikipedia page. <laughs> It's like it's like not the kind of entry a lot of people really sweat over. Personal life. Magic Dick is based in Boston, Massachusetts, in the Boston, Massachusetts area. And there's one footnote. Period. New line. Magic Dick is Jewish. Period. <laughs> there are four footnotes to confirm that Magic Dick is one of the chosen people. Oh man! But the the first one is the Jews who rock wiki. <laughs> On www.juicy.com, spelled the way you think it would. 
<laughs> oh yeah, and then also oh Jews my god, the these news. are incredible. Stars of David, rock and roll Jewish stories. <laughs> uh, uh, the last one, <laughs> JewsRock.org. <laughs> like it's a, it's not a dot com, you know. They're not in it for the money. It's <laughs> it's an org. Yeah, that's not what your teachers tell you. Like, don't want to cite a dot com, but dot org or dot edu is usually okay. <laughs> yeah, dot org is means nothing. Oh yeah. I remember There's being told absolutely no control over who you anybody can go by a .org and do whatever they want with it. Like those sons of bitches with drunkguysbookclub.org. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, we might need to buy that. Huh. <laughs> uh, but .edu you probably can't get unless you're an actual school, I think, of some sort. You can't get .edu or .gov. There are others that are restricted in But you ways. can buy you can buy .tv if you buy it from Tuvalu, which owns that domain. But they're willing to sell. If you're like a show, it's a thing. Oh, that makes sense. I always I remember when there was a thing where they were trying to make a porn extension. And .orgy. .xxx. Could have been .jizz. There's .biz. <laughs> .com. .com would have been .com much better. .com would have been perfect. <laughs> Who didn't, like, that was a gimme. Speaking of cum, orgasm. Uh, she now stages an affair. She's like, hey, she she calls she calls her old friend Ruby, who has since married her ex Don. She's like, Ruby, I know you hate my guts, so you know, let's let's make this okay. You know, let's uh, you call your photographer friends, tell them to go to this spot and find me in a car making out with a guy or something. And she's like, what and she's like cool, I can do that, but you should have told me that you're. Uh, a husband beats the fuck out of his wives. He's like, "Oh, sorry, forgot to mention that." And she's like, "Oh," and yeah, then they bad. move on. Oh, the other thought of that, is, but just throughout this whole, the whole fucking, this whole part of her timeline, all anybody cares about is winning an Oscar. Do you notice that? They're like, "I just want to roll to win my Oscar," or he won't. He says, "I'm not going to get nominated for an Oscar now." Yeah. I don't think the Oscars were that big a deal then. I think that's a much more I don't modern think they're that big a deal anything. now. They're a big deal today. They are a bigger deal now. But like, if you go back in the fifties, like it was a joke. Like it was like a dinner, and people would show up, and they're they're it wasn't even like televised half the time. There were only like eight actors anyway. And only some of them were former Nazis, but they had <laughs> probably probably too many. <laughs> Who's the guy? Emil Jennings, who won the first Best Actor award. I think he was a fucking Nazi. That guy, born in eighteen eighty Switzerland, he went some. Yeah, he started a number of Nazi propaganda films, and then well, you know who hasn't? He was unemployable after the war, but he won the first Best Actor award. <laughs> Well, they called it Uber actor back then, but it's still. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's good that they changed that. But in like, you know, nowadays it's used as a marketing tool. You know, come see Academy Award nominee Toby McGuire. I think it's bigger as it's more important as a as a uh, marketing tool. I mean, people like being recognized and everything, but. To think that people go to these huge, that, that all they want in their whole career as an actor is to get an Oscar. I don't think that's true. I think they just want to get paid. But if I you just win mean an like, Oscar, it's, I mean, it's just hard money. to, 
even most actors, they'll have a period of time where they're making a lots of movies and then their career will dry up. And so a lot of it is just, I, you know, I hope to just keep working is what a lot of people just want. All right. Well, like for, for even an actor say, I really want to win an Oscar. That's like, you know, saying I really want to be an astronaut. Like that you, you don't control so many of those factors. It's like a stupid well, These days, goal. isn't it all just like about who you know and to even get nominated is like a whole like... There was a thing this last year about how some actress got on the list and it pissed everybody off because she started her own campaign as opposed to bribing everybody and making friends with all the producers like everybody else does. Well, what was the... Um, not the Oscars, though, like the, was it the Golden Globes that they stopped televising? <laughs> well, the Golden Globes have always just been... A, a popularity play. contest, nothing else. They just give it to the most popular thing. That's what they always do. But it was the Kids' Choice Awards of adults. It's a, it's a, it's a pay for the award thing, essentially, because you it's the Hollywood Foreign Press, and you pay for them to come like, hey, come see this, the filming of our new film, which is, you know, and then afterwards, go for a two-weeks all-paid trip to Fiji. <laughs> that was the kind of bullshit they were doing. But it, but in this book, it it just felt anachronistic for her to be like, I just wanted my Oscar. I wanted my recognition. And Celia St. James is the fucking Meryl Streep of the time and just wins a million awards. You know, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's kind of like with Daisy Jones. It's like it, it, it shows a decent understanding of how things worked, but not exactly right. Like that was music. And like they didn't actually do all that stuff for music. And if this is for movies, they didn't. It's like the right idea, and there's definitely some research that has been done, but maybe it's not 100% accurate. It's, it's not. <laughs> and it, does it matter for the story? Not so much. Who cares? But it is kind of just like. It just, yeah, it just felt like it was excessive. You're like, oh, it's because Don that's how won his Oscar. These He's days, nominated. I didn't get nominated. That's how people these days would see it as like, that's a great actor. Most people. I guess. So back to this book. Uh, Evelyn has, you know, pretended that she's having an affair with Harry, her friend, who is gay. Finally, but turns out Harry uh, is, in fact, having an affair with uh, the the quarterback that Celia is married to because he is actually gay. And And, uh, Dick Butkus, who would have thought? Well, when they first started dating, he was a tight end. But then he had to change. Insert easy wide receiver yes, joke. Yes, there you go. <laughs> I was hoping someone would, would join in there. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but eventually, um, Evelyn and Celia, Evelyn and Celia are like, okay, you know what? We can get back together. Finally, like they finally see each other after like a really long time. So they reunite. They and they, writing, they, they're writing each other letters and, they, and shit, and they make up. And they come up with come up with this plan. I thought the letters are later. The letters are the second reunite reunion. Oh God, they they break up. They'll come up with this plan where uh, Evelyn will marry Harry, and Celia is married to the quarterback uh, John Braverman, and they'll get houses. They'll just happen to live right next to each other, right next to each other, and then there just happens to be just two couples who are friends, but they're actually John Braverman. Which you know is that like one of those if a, a braver man would have been openly gay. Kind of things, but he's with with Harry, right? But they're married to these women. Is it so that people won't think they're a couple of dumb fruits? 
<laughs> Jesus. I'm not <laughs> dumb fruit. <laughs> <laughs> this is called Dumb Fruit 11, the new school. Uh, this is a 7% alcohol, sour elbow, blueberry, raspberry, and concord, or as Nate would call it, concord, grape. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> you know how I feel about grapes. It has a strong <laughs> jelly smell to it. Well, jelly smells like fruit, so that's good. Pectin. Oh my god, that's oh my god. That's so good. <laughs> Better than the last one. I'd go gay for this. This is oh my god. It tastes like beer jelly. Nope. That that's not a thing you want to taste. Just picture the best parts of beer and the best parts of Welch's jam. And it works together. I don't want any jelly that's beer flavored. Well, do you want a beer that's jelly flavored? If it just tastes like straight up jelly, sure. I'll just say that's juice. This is this is because it's it's that that type of grape flavor. It's not like whiny. It's it's fucking jelly <laughs> grape. Yeah, you know? sugar grape. Yeah, whatever, man. Just, just put it into me. <laughs> is what Harry and John Braverman have been saying actually throughout the whole book. Oh my god, so good. So they have a big four way beard relationship, and they're like best of friends, hanging out, having a good time. And Evelyn says, "You know what? I think." I'm going to fuck Harry one time because... Well, oh, no, wait. More than one time. Yeah, I need to have a baby. They didn't invent IVF yet. Yep. So they're like, I, you know, we, uh, we're just, I'm going to go have a baby with Harry. It's not for love. It is just so we can have, we can have a baby because I feel like, because you like, and me, Celia, we obviously can't do that. But, but Evelyn is like very adamant. At one point, I'm bisexual. It's like, this is just transactional straight stuff. There's nothing else about it. And then Celia's well, like... Well, it's also because Harry is, like, clearly gay and, like, her best friend. She's not into it, into him. She is sexually attracted to dudes, but not Harry. Yeah, but it's still a little cock going in there. Like, that has to muddy the waters a little I'm bit. I'm sure she didn't hate it. <laughs> yeah, she was like, all right, yeah, I, can, I can work with this. It's like just really aggressively hanging out with your best friend. I mean, he's so light in his loafers, really he can only be on top. <laughs> but of course, Celia's I mean, like, I don't know, this seems wrong. But Celia doesn't, but Celia isn't like, absolutely not. She's like, okay, fine. So they have a, they have a daughter named Connor, which that sounds like an 80s name or a 90s name for a kid. That doesn't sound like a 60s name. Certainly for a girl. I think it must have been a 70s name, though, in the timeline for the book. This is the no? 70s by now? Yeah, because Evelyn guess. is like in her late 30s at this point. Yeah, it's her later 30s. Oh, yeah, I guess that makes sense. She's getting old. Though Connor's old. still... Weird name but, for but still a lot of... At but, that but time. Hollywood, common girls but Hollywood actors always give their kids excessively dumb names, and then they like slowly filter into the mainstream. I don't think Apple's ever going to make it. Apple's not. But I also didn't think Goop was going to make it where you could buy a candle that smells like someone's asshole or whatever. So what do I know? Where like a jade egg you put inside of your fucking vagina. <laughs> I mean, it's not my scene, um, but I don't have a vagina, so I don't know. I think most people with vaginas also think it's stupid. Would you get the male version? Would you put a thing in your butt? Uh, you know, it's not really my scene. So they have a baby. And we should note that we skipped this in the beginning, that um, Evelyn is donating a bunch of dresses to the breast cancer foundation research place because her daughter has just died of breast cancer at the age of 30 something. So this is that daughter. 
The only one. But she's a baby at that time. You assume there isn't a second daughter because she's like, oh, one is enough. That's what the guy said. I'm not doing that again. So she has the one kid and then they... And um, a great quadruple, whatever the quadruple version of a thruple is, but they have a kid now and everybody's having a ball. There's got to be something with quartet. <laughs> so uh, Evelyn, even though she has a kid, she still wants to get her Oscar. So she uh, does another movie with French director Max Girard. And in this one, Max is like... And I guess this is the and this she's is the nineteen with her ex husband Don Don Adler, who is supposedly has stopped drinking at this point. But Max Gerard is like, we need to have a explicit sex scene because we just we just need it for the movie. And Evelyn is like, yeah, totally. Let's but it's do not it. porn. They don't actually do anything. It just has to be like really. It just has to look look very, very realistic. Yeah. It's because she has to have an orgasm. But, like, that's fine. It's, 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 I'm sorry, this is where it got really stupid. Because <laughs> it's, like, it's a fucking acting. Yeah. And after she shoots it, she tells Celia, Celia she's like, hey, they want me to do a really a sex scene with Don. She's like, that's fucked up. Don't do that. And she's like, ah, okay, I, I won't. And then later on, Celia's like, you know what? You, you should do it. It's okay. She's like, oh, I already did it. Sorry, dude. And then Celia's like, I'm leaving you again. But, and you're like, I don't really understand why. But Celia... I, I guess I get it, kind of, but not really. Celia knew she was going to have to do a, a, a love scene with Don. But she's like, it has to be really passionate. She's like, I don't know how I feel about that. It's fuck... It, what? It's a job. It's pretend. This, yeah. I, I feel like this... His dick's going to be in a sock. It's cool. <laughs> People, well, I don't know. I, I feel like actors know it's just a job. It's just what you have to do for the, like, for the piece. Um, and that actors, when they do these scenes, they don't actually, like, feel anything for each other. They're acting. It's pretend, but, like, tabloids and other things, like, oh, what was it like having to do that scene? It's like, well, it, it's just another day at work. I mean, not quite. It's It's a little bit more weird than that but whether somehow because you you know in a movie filmed one of these fake sex scenes that's not i I feel like because celia is an actor she knows this she knows this is the business and she's the good actress yeah and so exactly she's the good one she knows about this that it just wasn't believable even though it uh, wasn't believable that celia is about to say no i can't believe that no and, and then leaves her and then leaves Evelyn again, even though it was foreshadowed before. But I didn't really think it was great before either. A great plot point. So I was even more annoyed when it came back again. It really just makes lesbians look crazy. Have you seen a penis, Jimmy? They are crazy. How do they turn this down? <laughs> <laughs> Who could turn that thing down? Who doesn't want that thing? It's poking waka around. Waka waka, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I agree. It felt like they do, like. It was an acting thing where she just like really laid it on thick. <laughs> That's that as that he. was the problem. It's not like they were filming Caligula and she actually sucked his dick or something. You know, like yeah, they they go into like a lot of details and reasoning in the book, but it really doesn't it really doesn't make sense nope. to anyone. Like even if you were like upset, like oh that's gross, he's your abusive ex. I understand that aspect of it a little bit. It's still not like enough to like. I'm going to leave my partner of 
at this point, what, like 10 years? Yeah, of our on pretty... On off longer. Yeah, of this, of this stretch, like a while, because they like have a kid and they raise it for a while and they're together for years before that. It's been, a, it's been a while that they are together for this stretch of time. She's married to Harry for at least 10 years. The only explanation I could think about, or I could think of, sometimes, not all the time, sometimes women are crazy. That's the only thing. It's the only. I mean, in this book, the the lesbian woman is pretty crazy. Whenever something minorly bad happens, she freaks the fuck out. Yeah, I mean, it's not minorly bad. This one is not really that bad. This one banging the dude, even though you were clearly on the plan the first time, not great. Sure, but this time it's literally fake. Listen, just wait till the later chapter when they cancel Ellen the first time. She goes crazy. She loses it. <laughs> Remember that part, Nate? Uh, so, John, so the quarterback, John Braverman, the quarterback, he dies of a heart attack. Well, yeah, he's a football player. They don't make it past 50. No, <laughs> he was the only died. one who actually got any exercise, but so it hits to the head. It's not great. Um, so he dies, and then so Harry becomes an alcoholic because he just can't possibly, like, handle it. And so for the rest of the book, he is just a heavy drinker. No judgment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but at least it's not morning this time when we're recording. <laughs> we only, I, I typically only drink in the morning for business. <laughs> <laughs> only for work. Never for pleasure. So then, yeah, everything falls apart. And uh, then I, I forget if he, if Max Gerard comes in to offer her another movie. You know, like something uh, like that. Yeah. So it's either another movie or he's just like, but he's like, oh, you're, uh, you, you know, he knows that Harry is gay and that he's like, you know, you don't actually love him. I want to, what if, what if you married me? And Harry is like, yeah, okay, sure. Fine. Go ahead. We'll, we'll get divorced and you can marry him. And then, so she marries the, the, the director and she, but. At first, it's nice, but not for very long. She realizes that he only wanted the, like, the idea of her or possessing her. He just wanted to possess her. He didn't love her. It's the street cred. He liked the idea of marrying this international sex symbol. He didn't want to have a relationship with her. He just wanted them titties. Yeah. And reading the book, you're like, yeah, I guess I'd see why you date her. I don't know if you'd marry her for that, but yeah. You'd, You'd try to throw your Mac at her, whatever you got. It's like, Evelyn, your breasts, they are not cheat. And then she's like, <laughs> <laughs> But then very quickly, miserable. But she stay, the they stay together for a while. I think they're, they're estranged. I think they're not together, though. I think they're just like legally They're married. like, I mean, they're both working a bunch, so they're like all over. But they are together, but basically not. And she finds out that he's been banging other people. Also should assume that because he is French, and it is still the olden times. And also he's French. Yeah. So yes, is it a, what do you say, lunchtime? I, of course, I am getting, uh, <laughs> I am meeting my mistress. Like, That's not how, the fuck, dude? You have like the hottest woman in the world yes, with your wife, we and you doing. still need the a fuck. side piece? <laughs> it's part of their lifestyle. Yeah. Then he just drinks an entire bottle of wine for lunch and doesn't pay any taxes. And, and that's it. Did I miss anything? Any other key French details? 
No, that's it. Punches a mine. So while they're while they're married for a while, um, <laughs> Evelyn finally sees Celia again, and uh, they start writing each other letters. Those are the right. letters. Yeah, and they they start writing each other letters, and like, don't you remember the good times? And you know, a bunch of letters, and finally, like, we should meet. We should get together. And so they finally have. Um, uh, they finally like meet for lunch, and Celia says, "Well, well, they meet up, and she's like, hey, let's go eat out.' She's like, I'm for it. No? Uh-huh. No? Oh, come on, Nate. That was good. <laughs> uh, and Celia says, I'm dying. Though very slowly, but I'm dying. She says she has emphysema, and she won't. She's dying of COPD, which is that thing you see commercials for, and you're like, what the fuck is that? That's a real thing. I know people with that. Oh, yeah, it's a real thing. You just It's, not, it's never a literary death. This is where Taylor Jenkins redid some serious WebMDing. <laughs> What's an obscure disease that will kill you in a while? <laughs> in, the, in the notes at the end of the book, thank you, WebMD and Wikipedia, for helping me learn this. And so Celia says, let's move away. Let's move to the coast of Spain. Let's stop making movies, stop trying to be famous, and then we can just be together, and no one will care because it'll just be like a fishing village in Spain. Nobody's going to give a shit. And Celia uh, and Evelyn's like, yeah, um, yeah, maybe. And before, but before they can like put that plan into action, Harry decides. Uh, Harry um dies. But he is driving drunk, and well, first he he has actually told Evelyn, "I've finally found another person I I finally love," and and Evelyn's like, "Oh, okay, that's great." And then immediately they could do the drive. It um, Evelyn is in a different car, of course, coming around a corner, and they see a car that's crashed into a tree, and they see that um, Harry's the one driving, and that in uh, the one driving, and that the passenger he's dead. Um, clearly dead, and they try and like save Harry, but they realize like Harry was definitely drinking because he's always drinking. And so, what we're going to do is we're going to switch this is with them her in cab the vehicle. Driver, by the way, her rando cab driver. That's right. Yeah. yeah. But so help me out. We're going to switch them, switch their places in the car so that it looks like the other guy was driving. Even though, isn't that? pretty obvious to like a medical examiner this was before forensics i mean i guess this is one because if the guy in the passenger seat (laughs) has the steering wheel sized like bump on his head (laughs) you know wasn't it like hmm i wonder what happened here but it was also like they 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 clean up harry's wounds and bring him to the hospital and then he dies anyway and they're not able to like this guy was obviously in a car accident they're like well, I forget what the cover story was. Though it might have just been like they bribed. The, to, they probably just the bribed the doctor. She, someone asked her at the hospital what happened. She's like, "How much will it cost me for you to fucking leave me alone?" And then she never well, says the amount. She's like, "It was way less than I thought they'd ask for." That's a reporter. That was a reporter came up to her. But like in the the, the fucking reports of his death from like the hospital, they say he died of something that was clearly not true. But he was trying to just bribe everybody. Again. But also the because, you know this is fucked up. But it's the eighties. The other dude was black. No, no, fine. Well, we don't know that. Well, no. But we don't know that yet. Well, we, but now, like, yeah. you know, at the end of the story, like, oh, yeah, that's why they didn't care. Yeah. Like, oh, another drunk black guy. Oh, well. But I'm saying for Harry's death, like, clearly any competent doctor would be like, oh, he, he hit his shit on a table? Not 
was in a car accident? I don't know. It could be either one. He yeah. fell down some really hard steps that were shaped like At cars. 60 miles an hour. <laughs> but I, hit with that blue turtle shell. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, you know, the sort of thing of, the, you know, the, 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 the rich celebrities. Like, hey, Doc, I'll, uh, I'll hook you up in some way or, or bribe you in some way or, or help you leverage you. Know, who who wouldn't be like, oh, yeah, fuck, I'll fudge in paperwork if now all of a sudden I'm going to have these high-end clients or I could fucking, you know, get just a bunch of cash. People are not above being she bribed. She gets her cab driver a part in a movie. And then he becomes a famous actor, but she doesn't say who. Does no, We know yeah. it's Nicolas Cage because there's no way he earned it. He's Francis Ford Coppola's nephew. That's true, and he's but he's just a tremendously <laughs> bad actor. He's fucking garbage. He's one of our greatest actors. Didn't, I, I, I remember I passed when I was in New Orleans most recently. He has oh, he has house. He has like a pyramid in a graveyard. <laughs> like, like, yeah, he's a weird guy. But is it is it real or is this like an act? Like, or? no, he's he's actually crazy. Or he's just he's not crazy. He's just like he's been able to do whatever he wants for so long. He's just lost the grip on reality, which is Wait, true. A lot of people. Cage? Yeah, he's not. Nicholas Cage. No, he, he makes lost, all these. He lost a, a ton of money in investments, and then he had to do all those shitty movies to like. But he he does all he, he gets he gets he gets his money back, so he can keep buying stupid shit because he is legendarily known for just buying the dumbest stuff, like cannot be stopped. Like, oh, a dinosaur skull? Yep, give it to me. I don't care what it costs. Like, literally dinosaur skull, which is pretty I cool, but still not something <laughs> you need. But, so, but yes, I believe he has a pyramid. Yeah, you don't need more than just one. What are you going to do with two? One T-Rex skull. That's all I need. I'll just <laughs> put that, you know, I'll just put it, you know, that'll be my coffee table, just like T-Rex skull. There's a store in Manhattan called Evolution. Have you guys ever been like bear skeletons? I think show, I yeah. have. And like fetus they have a skeletons? Cave, they have a full size, they have a fetus skeleton inside of a human skeleton. You can only buy human remains if you're like a doctor though, but they do have a cave bear skeleton. And I asked them once because it was like, it's, they don't even list the price, but it's, Tens of thousands of dollars, if not a hundred thousand, for like an ancient cave bear skeleton, and it's full size because it's an actual skeleton. And I asked the guy, like, does anyone ever buy that cave bear stuff? And he said, one of the guys from Metallica just bought one. It's <laughs> like, you know what? I believe that's that. a total <laughs> Lars move. <laughs> <laughs> that's absolutely. You know how much Lars, Lars? Speaking of the themes of this book, Lars loves being around big bears. <laughs> <laughs> Look how big it is. Nothing else matters. <laughs> is that what a size queen is? I'm going to ride that lightning. I'm going to look that up. I'm going to regret it, but I'm going to look that up. What is a size queen? What is a size queen? You don't know what that means? Oh, it's someone who someone likes, big, likes dong. big dicks. Yeah. I mean, I thought that's what it was, but I was never really sure. I mean, does it, does it link to your mom there, Jimmy? No, she's not a size queen. She's more accepting. Well, but she doesn't feel anything unless they are. Though also, when you look when you Google that, the sixth or seventh link is the U.S. News World Report mattress size chart and bed dimensions. Yeah, oh, well, mattress yeah. size, comma queen <laughs> <laughs> or colon. Queen. That is literally how it works. Yeah. Um, so Harry's dead, and they covered up this death, and she's like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's just go to Spain because I did some bad stuff, and also. I'm going to get married again. But this time, yeah, like at this so, point. But, con- but the, now, by this time, the daughter is a teenager. 
And she's sneaking out of school and going to nightclubs, and she gets caught having a threesome at like age fourteen or something like that. And then uh, doing drugs. Yeah, she's shit. like ninth grade, and Evelyn's like, "Yep, gotta get her out of. I gotta get her out of New York." And so they moved her to Spain. Her having sex is in a, her being in a threesome in ninth grade means she had more sex than the average four ninth graders. <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> That's ridiculous. But then they're like, I got to protect my kid from my kid. <laughs> and so they go to, and so finally they move away to Spain. So Evelyn moves with Connor. They move in with Celia in Spain. And then Celia, Celia gets worse and worse. And then, but she has, at this point, she has married Celia's brother because oh, right. her brother is like, he's down to bang ladies of all kinds. But he's basically providing a legal way for Evelyn to inherit Evelyn, uh, Evelyn to inherit Celia's stuff. And Which, they're like, this is a good did plan. Did she need to? No, Evelyn was already rich. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I guess There's it was just them to a roundabout way of plausible. fulfilling the like, well, when we're married, you know, you will, you know, my stuff becomes more, my money becomes your money. And so I guess that, that is kind of like fulfilling that but you just kind of like legal part. You could yeah. leave your money to anybody in your will. Who was that rich fucking bitch that left her money to her dog? There was some, yeah, yeah that meant, you know, super rich Manhattan Tens of lady. millions of dollars to like the caretake of her fucking dog. You could leave it to anybody. It's your will. That dog died of a cocaine overdose three months later. <laughs> <laughs> but this this didn't make it. They did not need to be married yet again. It was like the 80s. There's some women in their 50s. or It was some plausible way for them to like be together. But she didn't need to marry the brother. They could have just moved to Spain. The six husbands of Evelyn Hugo did not have the same ring to it. <laughs> Could have come up with a different final husband. But also, it gave it. Or gave she a could have married a, one of the other husbands a second figure. time. <laughs> that doesn't count. But <laughs> it would have fit. It would have fit with Elizabeth Taylor. Well, the only ones left were shitty. You would assume, though, like the final boss is usually important. The final husband, though, not. Yeah, it's like playing the first level of the game. <laughs> but it was at that point. It was. A husband was also, uh, you know, meant to be like a kind of father of sorts to her now. Oh, that's true. Fatherless daughter. Who lost her daddy and needed a father. <laughs> <laughs> and he was yes. very good at and that. And then they go to group therapy or something and she gets better. And, they, yeah, they, and she learns to love finance, <laughs> which is a lie because no one loves finance. They just love money. That's what we believe, at least, because we don't have any, so... In this book, the girl does start to get a job and find She's like, actually, I hate this shit But being rich is fucking sweet Yeah But she was already rich because her mother was Evelyn fucking Hugo Who apparently never once invested with Bernie Madoff And kept all her money No Actually, the bulk of this book takes place before he even is doing stuff, isn't it? He was around He got a start time. in the 60s He got a start oh, in the damn. 60s Oh, damn, okay yeah. That's a good run Okay Anyway, so at this very, like, final part of the book, it really switches back to, like, the frame story. And, you know, a the 79-year-old Evelyn Hugo tells Monique, the uh, journalist, the, you know, reporter, like, oh, okay, so here's why, here's what I wanted to tell you. 
that the, the man whole time she's been saying you're gonna hate me. Yeah, there were there were some like there were there were some like you know uh, not even foreshadowing, just like hints earlier in the book where first once when Evelyn says, "Oh, you're I'm not a good person," and then later, uh, and then another time, uh, Monique is like, "Little did I know that soon I would come to hate her" or something like that, and so there are these little like hints that oh, there's gonna be more conflict there. And finally, with only a few pages left, you finally find out what it is. You find out that that the the man that died in the car with Harry, that was Monique's father, and that Monique has taken has her whole life has believed that her father because Monique was seven, and her father died, and she's like, oh, he just he never really drank very much, but he got drunk and got behind the wheel that one time out in Hollywood, and then he died. And I felt really bad about it, you know, and it tarnished his memory. But now Evelyn is like, he wasn't the driver. We did that to save the reputation of my friend, even though he died anyway. But he, but he left it. But, um, but your father left a note and she has, which is, this is like kind of strange, but uh, so you have this note and the note like still had blood on it. And then the, yeah. fa- and the note says like, Oh, I love you so much, Harry, but I can't leave my wife because I just, even though I don't, I can't leave my wife because I love my daughter so much. And that's kind of what the note is about. Oh, my, I love my daughter. So I'm going to stay together with them. And so Monique like gets this note that it's like, oh, oh, here, but doesn't this, which was the whole point of Evelyn Hugo finding Monique Grant and saying, you're going to write my biography was really just to have a reason to explain everything and to give Monique the note. And this is like the last, the last day that they're doing their like interviews, basically. Well, they have their thing where she's like, I hate you, Evelyn Hugo. She's like, I told you. And then she's like, well, we have, gotcha, to, bitch. We have to do the photo shoot. Cause I, she figured out a way to keep her job at the magazine. Where he's like, I get to post, I get to publish an exclusive excerpt of your fucking novel of your memoir. And you have to do, a photo shoot and you know the whole early part of the book any of the scenes of Monique learning and Evelyn, from Hugo, Evelyn Hugo's like you need to like start growing up there yourself bitch. Bitch. you know stand up for yourself take what you want from this world I fucked and cheated my way to get whatever I wanted and I regret nothing and so then she's like if you don't fucking do this Evelyn Hugo I'm not writing your dumb book how you like that you old bag and so he's like oh you have learned and then, <laughs> and then, so she's like, "I'll do the photo shoot." And then they, then they're doing the photo shoot. But of course, at this point now, Monique knows that Evelyn Hugo's beard fucked her dad. She's like, "That's really a lot to take in right now." She's like, that's what your dad said, and then <laughs> that's not what I meant. Um, so she's really mad at her, but she's like, "Oh, but she's so good looking, and those boobs only sag a little bit." But you know, she has breast cancer. Yeah. Also, you find out right now because Evelyn. I mean, Evelyn says, you know, you can publish this after I'm dead. But then, you know, but then says that you can publish it soon. It's like, and Monique's like, what do you mean? And Evelyn says, well, my daughter died of breast cancer, and it's and it it it's a gene that is heritable. So I have it too. I just inherited the very slow version. Because it takes a long time to it's eat just through all this tit. Yeah, <laughs> it's all the boob meat. I have, but I have these giant jahubis, and they have stage nine breast cancer in them. I'm going to die 
in minutes. <laughs> so they have the photo shoot and Monique leaves. And, and at the same time that Monique is about to leave, she notices that Evelyn has her like given her housekeeper and like a week, week's vacation, like, go oh, take a week off. And then it, uh, Monique realizes, oh, Evelyn, she's going to kill herself. Because it, Monique wrote that article on Dr. Kevorkian or whatever it <laughs> yeah. was at the beginning of the on book. On assisted suicide, and that's why Evelyn Hugo even found about found out about Monique. And what were the odds, though? She's like, that's a really good article. I want that person. Oh, and I helped cover up her father's death. Oh, that's two birds with one stone. That's it's really happy. How convenient for me. <laughs> And then, so Monique doesn't say anything or call the police or be like, I, I'm afraid. She just, and then, you know, we find out over the weekend that uh, Evelyn has died of an accidental overdose. Although Monique knows it's probably not accidental. Well, like, what do you think came first? Was Evelyn Hugo, she found out, she's like, listen, I have to make amends with the child. I, I have to imagine that she had been following the kid, at least. She knew who the kid was. And it just happened that she was a writer, sure. It it was a... The assisted suicide piece was probably like, wow, what a convenient tie A little on the nose. Yeah. I'm choosing on the noose. It's hard to kill someone with a hit on the nose. But but imagine she didn't write that piece. And Evelyn Hugo, Hugo had to make a different excuse. And he's like... I really enjoyed your piece on 10 llamas who just can't. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Much like your llamas, I can't write this book Neither without can you. I was going to do 10 camels who just can't, actually. It's amazing. We both thought of that stupid BuzzFeed type article. It's the dumbest one. <laughs> it should have been 10 other train engines that just can't, because the one could, therefore the other 10 that can't would be a more impressive list. But then she's like, do I, do I report it? Do I try to stop her? No. She deserves to have her death the way she wants. And also, fuck that bitch. You know? <laughs> That's, and then it ends. Yeah. She's not going to get better. And she, she uh, decides to actually get divorced from the husband, and you're like, who was he? Did that matter? It didn't, but it happens. No. But knowing Evelyn and te- learning assertiveness gave her the courage to get divorced rather than pretend to work on a shitty marriage. Which is, I guess, cool, but also, like, this part of the story really doesn't matter except for the whole dad thing. Yeah. And even then, still, not great. And then it's over. Just like one of her marriages. Yeah. He also died. The last husband also died. Oh, he just died. Everyone died but her. Old man-ish. Yeah. All of her husbands were dead at that point. But, so... And her one wife, where they had an informal ceremony in their house in Spain. Yeah, where they just looked at each other like, I I take you to be my wife. It's like, ditto. This is Spain. Very Catholic country. Definitely not okay with it. Though one of the first to be okay with it, surprisingly. Because they held the vote for that during siesta. So everybody was... <laughs> all of the <laughs> parliamentary members were just not there. I don't know how yeah. to get around cloture rules, but they did it. So, um, so yeah. So, after being recommended this book for six years by the internet, how, 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 how did you find it? I enjoyed it. I did, actually. Even though some of the plot points or were like, oh, I don't, I didn't quite buy that. But I thought overall it was pretty good. 
Um, I, though I did realize, and maybe other, most other people knew this already, but I was like, oh, Taylor Jenkins Reid has a thing where she takes mm-hmm. a pop culture thing and makes a, you know, historical, uh, uh, historical fiction kind of thing about that pop culture. First it was Rock and Roll, which is the other book we did, and now Hollywood. It's like, oh, she has a thing. And that's fine. I mean, she has other books. I don't want to. I haven't read them, but I'd be willing to bet. Like, I mean, her book is called uh, Malibu Vice. So I'm sure it's Rising. Malibu Malibu Rising. I was thinking, so it's not Miami Vice. It's uh, (laughs) for some reason I picture like '80s Miami Vice when I hear that name, even (laughs) though I have no idea about the book. I could very well be wrong, but I'm like, oh, Taylor Jenkins Reid has a thing. I hope it's a fucking novelization of Miami Vice. It's a it's a story about one unforgettable night of one family. Isn't Malibu in California and Miami is in Florida? Yeah, Malibu's down by LA. Can we put- oh god, it's about it's it's about the Riva family. <laughs> they're they're all the it's the children of Mick Riva. Ha. Huh. There's four four the McReeva's four children are having a party one night and everything ha- everything changes in their lives over the course of this one night. Oh, it sounds so like a high school about, movie. <laughs> so, oh, so can't really it, wait. It, it, it's not about like a specific. Yeah. It's about literally one single night in. Although I'm sure there's a lot of backstory, but they and and forward but they story. Are the children of this guy. Maybe it's the story of Paris Hilton. I like to think it's about Miami Vice, and then you get to passage where it's like said Tubbs inhaling a massive line. <laughs> like, remember Tubbs? That was one of the guys who was Tubbs on Miami Vice. Tubbs, yeah, Crockett and Tubbs. Which, which, how did the, how was that a thing? Tubbs? Uh, I don't know. It was ironic. He was not fat at all. That's what. Yeah, that's like in the eighties. That's what they called like any girl who was more than one hundred and eleven pounds. <laughs> Fucked up time. And the cocaine kept everybody thin. Yeah, Michael, how did, how did you feel about it? Um, it was fun. It was enjoyable to read. Honestly, it's breezy. It's it's well written in like a beach read thriller kind of way. Where like there's nothing about this that's brilliant literature, but it's fun. But when you think about any of it for more than a minute or two, you're like, this doesn't really hold up. As Nate was saying, I felt it was way too neatly packaged. I was like, oh, what are the odds? The child whose life was fucked up because of my decisions also wrote this article about assisted suicide so i get to have everything i want in the end and you know you kind of have to know or assume that at some point she's going to be involved with the death of her dad it's like chekhov's dead dad see i didn't think about that because i forgot about monique as a character throughout the book because she really didn't fucking matter yeah, I mean, every time they bring it back, it's like, oh, you know, my mom's coming to visit now, and she's like, oh, we never got over, you know, whatever happened with dad, oh no, and it's like, well, they wouldn't mention the fucking dead, she wouldn't have a dead dad if it, didn't, if it wasn't important to that part of the story. I mean, I half expected it to be like, and her sixth husband was her dad, like, I didn't, like, I didn't think it was going to be, it, it, was, it was out of left field that her, her beard fucked her dad and then killed him in a drunk driving accident, that was... Yeah, that was unexpected. That part, and I, then I, I, admit, I did not see coming. Yeah, <laughs> I, di- I didn't see that it was that that was the dad, but I knew at some point, like somehow, the death of her dad was going to be involved in the story. Like, why else are you going to hate me by the end of this fucking story? You have two character points. Three, you are a writer. You are just getting divorced. It doesn't matter too much, except for your self esteem. And your dad is dead. That's it. That's all Monique is. 
The only thing, the one thing I thought was potentially interesting or could have been interesting was that Evelyn Hugo is this great actress and she's shaping the narrative of her life as she wants it to be remembered. And there's nobody alive to contradict her. So all of these passages when like, you know, you have to kind of suspend your disbelief, I guess, but she's, re- she's re- reminiscing about, you know, a conversation over a fucking, you know, Shirley Temple in 1957 and remembering lines of dialogue all right, all right, yeah, she's making this shit up. But sometimes it was like just like way too on the nose when she... I mean, that's kind of true of every fucking biography, though. It is. But any ones where they write them with lines of dialogue, then you know they're just... They're yeah. not even trying to pretend it's real. Like the Prince Harry book. <laughs> hey, he got all those shirts at Kmart or whatever the fuck, TJ Maxx. Did you see the thing about the, the, the car chase in Manhattan? Oh, yeah. And the the real issue was that they the hotel they wanted to stay at refused to give them a discounted fare, <laughs> so they stayed for free at somebody's house on the Upper East Side, maybe Evelyn Hugo's, and then didn't want to let the paparazzi know where they were staying, so they just drove around Manhattan for two hours to try to lose them. That's the dumbest. It doesn't work very well, in Manhattan. No, there's no there's no like high speed car chases in Manhattan. It's just gridlock. Yeah, it'd be faster on bikes. Absolutely. Get, just like park the car, and by the time the paparazzos find another parking spot, you're gone. But just like, you know, like it's just too neat. Like, oh, and then our movie was number one, and then our fake sham marriage ended, and we had a pair of dirty martinis and toasted our success. Did that really happen? Probably not. So then you have to kind of think about the rest of her story, how much of it was real or not. But... It's a fake character who I don't really care that much about, and this isn't like a high highbrow academic literary text where you're going to put that much effort into an- analyzing it. So that was a potentially interesting thing, but this isn't the kind of book where that is interesting. You know what I mean? Well, it's not like Lolita, where you're like, what is he not saying? She's saying everything she's saying. There's no subtext. There's no... It's not supposed to be an unreliable narrator. Yeah. We're just supposed to accept that she's 100% accurate, even though she's this Machiavellian, you know, character who fucks and cucks at will to get her way. But I liked it. It was a fun book. I did enjoy reading it. Yeah. It was good. I thought Daisy and Jones, James Jones and the Six was better, but... I bet if you read this first, you would invert that, because they're very similar. I don't know. Uh, I think this this one just felt a little more, at times, just like... Maybe just because we read a bunch of it lately, but uh, like almost like Colleen Hoover-y. Well, just at certain points, it was a little, it's a little ham-fisted. Uh, do you mean at the end when Monique is like, just like being half white and half black, I understood what it meant to be bisexual. I'm like, really? Is that that's not the same thing in any way. <laughs> no, yeah, but that's that's like the only reason that matters. It it didn't matter at all about black and white or mixed race or anything like that. And it, yeah, it, I mean, if one thing I feel like they like laid clues like, oh, when Harry died and the guy that he was with, they found a black guy with him and he was like, oh, the first black character in the book, maybe that's, maybe that's her dad, but they never mentioned it at all yeah. that he's black until, until they're like, uh, later on when they're like, Harry was with a guy and he fell in love with a black guy. And like, oh, okay, that's a, well, maybe the, a weird this way was, to like, This is where the subtext did matter. Because Harry's like, I found someone. He's the one for me. And we were supposed to. Oh, he's the one. 
can't go back. <laughs> it's real. And subtle. then you ah. <laughs> that was the hint. That was that the was, clue. That was the nugget that Taylor Jenkins read buried there. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think Daisy Jones was maybe just like it felt less. I don't know if high stakes is a thing. It's just it. It was like less over the top, so it was more believable. Yeah, that's fair. Not that this wasn't unrealistic. I mean, this shit really did happen. I don't know. It just felt it felt a little it felt a little hokier, but not. It wasn't bad. I did enjoy it, but compared to Daisy Jones, I, I think Daisy Jones was, was better, definitely better. I'd, I'd flip a coin. They're about the same thing. Nate, what do you think? Comparing them. Uh, I have a feeling I thought Daisy Jones was better because I read it first. And then this is more like, oh, this again. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Maybe it's more because yeah. I'm into rock and 70s rock and roll than Hollywood. Maybe that's just more oh, of a thing. We also most we... about Elizabeth Taylor, though, somehow. Yeah, because I looked it up on Wikipedia because I was like, wasn't Liz- Elizabeth Taylor married a ton of times? So then I looked it up. So I didn't understand any of those fucking references because I don't know anything about that. Well, it was all to fake but movies. One, it was all fake. Yeah, I, mean, I, I didn't. I didn't. I haven't seen any of the fucking movies from back then. I don't know. Like, I know the names of people, but if you told me, if you show me like a, if you show me pictures of them all, I couldn't tell you who was who. I just, I don't know anything about that era. It's never something I've ever been interested in. Oh, there was one thing that I was like, I think she didn't really understand this historically, or maybe I don't understand. It, of course, is there was one thing she clearly didn't understand because I wrote it down. It's the only line I I wrote down from the book because it is, it's unforgivable, frankly. What's his? She's talking about how Monique was like talking about how she needed to lose weight or something. And she said, might be the spaghetti bucatini I've been eating for lunch every day this week. That's not a thing. So two different bucatini pastas. is a thing, That's, yeah. Yeah, it's just bucatini. You wouldn't say, might be the spaghetti ravioli I had. It's like, yeah, it might be the pasta penny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right, thanks. I mean, that, at least like, like, that, that would make more sense than spaghetti bucatini. But that's... She clearly doesn't understand pasta. That's unforgivable. She's, she's very white. It's not, she doesn't know any <laughs> ethnics. <laughs> but there's a thing where they mention Rock Hudson. Anything about Rock. I know the name, yeah. Rock Hudson. Rock Hudson was an actor who was secretly gay and died in the 80s of AIDS. Mm, okay, yeah, yeah. And uh, according, uh, you know, apparently within, but apparently within Hollywood, it was an open secret that he was gay. Everyone knew that this heartthrob guy was secretly into dudes. I think them. what happened is so Rock Hudson died at the, the like you know height of the mid eighties, like eighty five, and so that's and when 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 AIDS really was believed by the public to be this is a disease of gay men, and so it it, it was basically if he had just died and nobody would have nobody would have cared that he was gay, but because he died of AIDS. It became a much bigger thing, but I believe he—he he, I believe he had, he had uh, publicly announced that he had AIDS shortly before he died. Yeah, like days, um, like Freddie well, Mercury. Yeah, probably. Yeah, but Freddie Mercury, like, no one was surprised to know that dude was gay. <laughs> no. He was bisexual. Uh, he was in a band called Queen. Yeah, I mean, and it, it was, wasn't because uh, they were monarchists. It was probably more like ninety ten than fifty fifty. But uh. he had seen. Yeah, he, he the one vagina he was in was the one he came out of. <laughs> but I, but you know, Rock Hudson, uh, according to legend, like the the joke is that is Jim Neighbors, you know that guy who was um, who the fuck did Jim no. Neighbors play? He was like on on Andy Griffith. He was like the hillbilly guy. 
fucking. Uh, I haven't seen any of this shit. Jim Neighbors. You will know who this fucking Gomer Pyle. Thank you. Google Gomer Pyle. You know that character from Andy Griffith. I know the name, but only for me, myself, and Irene. Well, Jim Neighbors was also gay, and secretly, and so the, the the urban legend myth was that Rock Hudson and Jim Neighbors had secretly gotten married, and Rock Nuts Rock Hudson changed his name to Rock Pyle. <laughs> Is <laughs> <laughs> you married Gomer Pyle? <laughs> but everyone knew he was gay, and they were like, "Yeah, whatever, he's fucking gay." Like, because that was the part of the book that kind of didn't gel. That everyone's like, "Ah, oh, I mean, maybe it's different for men and women." I'm sure it is. I'm sure it was. It was probably. I mean, it's it's just that like among the people in Hollywood who accepted. But if it got out to like the press and to everyday people, it would have been more of an issue. Maybe not by the eighties, but definitely by the fifties. But well, I mean, that's when you know Rock Hudson died. Like everyone, everyone in this book knew fucking Harry was gay. Like that was, they're just like, oh yeah, that gay guy, you know. But they mentioned something like later on when, what's her name, uh, Celia is like, don't you see what happened to Rock Hudson? It's like Rock Hudson had fuck Rock Hudson died of AIDS. Like that's not the same thing as he came out as gay. And and I don't and he hid his his homosexuality. He hid it. I mean, at that time, dying of AIDS was pretty much the same thing as coming out as gay. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, at, in the eyes of if you came out as gay, folks. it would have been basically saying you had AIDS. <laughs> like the, those were yeah. inex, in in uh, uh, in uh, what the fuck? inextricable. Thank you. Things in the eighties like that was that was the gay cancer. Yeah, but I feel like. Just tossing that name into the book randomly, not that I'm some like Rock Hudson defender, but it's like not the same thing, lady. At some point, when she mentioned names in this book, I assumed they were all fake, so I would forget that they were some of them were. Well, real. A guy named Rock Hudson, you would think he's on the fucking Flintstones. <laughs> like, Mom, <laughs> yeah, he's well, he's uh, the Rock boss. Hudson's coming over for dinner. <laughs> Yabba dabba dong, and that's what he eats. But it's you know that just felt like. All right, Taylor Jenkins Reid read several Wikipedia articles. One WebMD article and wrote a book. And she saw that picture of Jane Mansfield and Sophia Loret and said, I can make a book out and of she that. She jilled it for a little while. I was like, I could see what it's like to be bi now. Yeah. <laughs> and titties. They'll, get, they'll do it to you. Nate left a while and ago. Even in this book, pe- Celia, picture Celia is, is, a, is a lesbian in this book, but she's like all about the boobs. Apparently, apparently uh, Evelyn Hugo just had a, a you know, Impeccable rack. <laughs> and then later was like, oh, I could act too. <laughs> that, was another, that was the other thing I said earlier. That was stupid. I just wanted, like, I want to just not be poor. I want an Oscar, uh, damn it. Maybe once you've sure. been doing something and you find you really like it, you know, you come into your own. Well, it's the same thing with being a lesbian, I, apparently. I don't think that's... <laughs> you try it yeah. once and you're like, I don't know. And then you're willing to scheme to be, to be a secret lesbian for the rest of the book. Well, all our husbands kind of did suck ass, so. Besides the one gay one. Oh, half the ones she picked were just out of, out of convenience. Yeah. Yeah. Because she was in love with Celia. Who should have died of celiacs. That would have been great foreshadowing. It's like, no, not <laughs> gluten. <laughs> That's there why are I no, eat. There are no gluten-free options yet. <laughs> it's only 1978. <laughs> no. I, Everyone just blood poops to I death. I can't have gluten. That's why I only eat puss. <laughs> but I have a yeast infection. No. That's how it, that's what happened. They can eat yeast. 
It's a constituent part of bread. I'm not. <laughs> There's no gluten in yeast infection. Nate, science, where does it fall on this? Tell us what you thought. <laughs> Send us an email to drunkguysbookclub at gmail.com. Or follow us on Twitter at drunkguysbc. Or go to Facebook and Instagram at drunkguysbookclub. And if you've listened this long, head over and you want to support the podcast, head over to patreon.com slash drunkguysbookclub. Or just leave us a review wherever you're listening or tell someone to check it out. That'd be cool. And you can also join us on Goodreads, where we read books together with men and with women and other non-men or women. All people, all genders that we read, and maybe we don't have sex with them. I don't know. (laughs) And check out the Hopped Up Network, a network of independent beer podcasters. And thanks for listening. 